Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Thad Haight. I'm Carl Wonders. And this week, Johnny English strikes again. He does. And again, just like the first movie. It is. Very <laughs> much just like... The, it's a, it's a, basically a complete rehash of the first movie. The, the same story beats, the same overall plot. Yeah. Um, Thankfully less racist. That's a low bar, but okay. <laughs> he doesn't do any weird kung fu thing. Right, but he's bizarrely misogynistic in one scene, and it, like, made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like he had, that had never been a thing of his character before. No. I, yeah, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, anyway, this movie. Yeah. Um. Once again, we have this massive gap between movies. The, <laughs> this movie came out in 2018. I, rem- I specifically remember going to see this in the theater. I think there was... One other person in the theater. <laughs> so it was opening night? <laughs> I think it was actually opening weekend, but it was... I, I, actually, I, I think we read that this movie did reasonably it well. Did. It did. Yeah, yeah. It had half the budget and still made as much money. Yeah, so somebody named David Kerr directed this, and <laughs> according to I, I love IMDb, how that's you. Somebody named David Kerr did it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's best known for this movie, which oh I think I've said before that whenever it's the movie we're talking about is what they're best known for, it's never a good sign. It's something called Inside Number 9, which I guess is a TV show. He directed Fresh Meat, which is another TV show. He directed another something about that Mitchell and Webb look, which I've never heard of. I've uh, heard of Mitchell and Webb. Yeah, but not that. He's done a lot of TV, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, uh, and he did this movie. The, it was written by William Davies again, uh, who I think wrote or had something to do with all of them. Oh, fascinating. I'm reading the box office scores. The box office, yeah. it was 12th in the box office opening weekend um, in the U.S. Okay. Uh, uh, but... The American release was essentially a formality, as it was not expected to uh, to do well in the U.S. to begin with. <laughs> okay, yeah, it, it grossed 1.6 million in the U.S. opening weekend. Okay, and grossed 5.5 million in the U.K. opening weekend. Yeah. Now, those numbers are quite different in and of themselves, but then when you consider the sheer population size differences between those two mm-hmm. countries dang wow yeah these these movies are really popular in the uk <laughs> well i mean rowan atkinson is mm-hmm. practically a folk hero over there you know yeah so and again i don't think he's nothing other than that one scene nothing he does is a problem no he does he does what he's asked or what he's good at and it you know yeah it works. Uh, yeah. I just feel like the franchise has run its course at this point. Yes. Uh, because they they are, well, as we said, this is basically the same movie as the first one. Mm-hmm. It's the, the same general plot, the same sort of things happen, etc. They need to learn from the Fast and Furious franchise and raise the stakes every movie. <laughs> I have a hard time seeing Johnny English with higher stakes, though. <laughs> True. I want to see a Johnny English in Space movie. I would watch that. (laughs) Some Moonraker knockoff. Yeah. Well, I I was just saying that because... And we're going to date this, but the the latest installment in the Fast and Furious franchise came out last weekend. And they do go to space in it. That's why I was saying Uh, it. I did not. I have not seen it, so I didn't They launch a car into space to destroy a satellite (laughs) that was going to destroy the world. That was going to, uh, yeah, destroy the world. Like... Like I said, the stakes in those movies, when you fit, realize the first one was a guy going undercover to stop a ring of DVD player thieves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now, like... Now they're sending cars into space to stop... To, to prevent global destruction. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this... This movie was a thing. This movie was a thing. In the opening, we see some dude sitting in a computer room. So, clearly Apple funded some of this movie. Yeah. It's the Sony Vio of this 
this movie yes. at least. I, I don't remember them quite. I'm so surprised prominent. it's not Apple British intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they dropped that whole thing, which I really thought was funny when it was. Was it Toshiba? Yes, it was Toshiba British Intelligence. So apparently somebody hacked into MI7's computer system and got all of the files on all of the agents. Yeah, so when... And this is a thing that movies always do. But when someone gets hacked, there's not going to be any visual indicator. Right. Certainly not all those things coming up on the screen. Yeah. That show what the hacker is seeing. That's not how computers work. (laughs) No. But it's a movie trope. Yeah. It always... They always do that. So, my question is about this. Like, the idea being all of these agents are now compromised because uh, they're borrowing from other movies. Uh, At least they didn't kill them all, like, in the first one, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm also thinking of, like, Skyfall or mm-hmm. Mission, the first Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. You know, everything like that. Um, if we want to talk about movies that get computers wrong... Well, yeah, but it was early days then. In fact, we'll be talking about that next week. Oh, time I'm going to rant about that email. Oh. <laughs> Job at Job314. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, my first question is that if we're considering these movies to be contemporaneously made so that it's 2018 mm-hmm. when this movie happens, Johnny English last saved the world or whatever you want to call it in 2011 he'd be in the computer right like he would have a file they would be able to identify him they would be able to identify him but they wouldn't necessarily like because it would have been so long ago he wouldn't be flagged as a current agent Uh, maybe i mean it's it's less dramatic than when they blew up every agent in mi7 in the first movie yeah but really, this is all just a contrivance to, you know, all the yeah, all the all the uh, good Asians are gone, so we need Johnny English again. Right. Uh, one thing I definitely can get behind any day of the week is the fact that Emma Thompson plays the Prime Minister in this movie. I'm fine with that, yeah. And I'm fine with Emma Thompson being the Prime Minister in any movie. Yeah. Uh, even though she's not the brightest person in the world in this movie, but... Has she played the Prime Minister before? I don't think so. She was the Prime Minister's sister in Love Actually. Yeah, I was going to say she's the sister of of Hugh Grant, right? Yeah. In uh, in Love Actually, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yes, I would be fine with Emma Thompson playing the Prime Minister again. We we meet the new uh, Pegasus, who I didn't realize was Pegasus for the longest time because he's basically treated like a joke. Yes. Um, but, you know, we, we have no agents left. we got to find somebody who can do this stuff. And we get a scene of Johnny English running through the forest. And he's training little kids. Yeah, it's like he's doing Hogwarts school for spycraft. Right. Which, like, I kind of like this, but at the same time, like, he's doing some really dangerous things with these kids. Yeah. I'm not a fan of putting kids in danger. Right. So I was, you know, I found this both funny and very disturbing at the same time. Yes. I mean, I do like how he's teaching them all the spycraft stuff instead of what they're supposed to be learning because he's teaching at a boarding school now. Yeah. And I, li- I like the camouflage. That, that was kind of fun. Yeah, except the director made the terrible decision to show an angle where you know he's not there. Yes. And this gag is funny, but I also think it worked better when they first did it in the Sherlock Holmes movies. Because that's what this made me think of immediately. It made me think of, um, Spy Hard. I'm sorry. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's-his-name was always hiding as everything. yeah. I, I I do like it. We get the montage of him teaching the kids, and I like when he's like showing them how to be suave with the martini glasses, and then he says, "Yes, Ching, <laughs> Ching, yes." <laughs> that is good. I think Discount John Flattery plays the headmaster in this movie too. Yeah, he is kind of Discount John Flattery. I, I, yeah, I can see that. They call in Johnny English, and he sits down in this room, and just because I like old British stuff. They show Pegasus going through these files. Like, these are the only guys you have. And so they get Michael Gambon, Edward Fox, and Charles Dance. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, old photos of them. Um, yes, I like that. I'm pretty sure the Edward Fox photos from The Day of the Jackal, but uh, I could be wrong. And then they set up this pen gag that you immediately know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Well, I like how it subverts the expectation because he does get it out of the room. And then he throws it yeah. back in. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> It takes way too long to go off. It does. 
And you'd think they would have noticed. Someone would have noticed the pen going into the T, other than Johnny. I also was... And it's been a, maybe it's been longer than I thought since I saw Michael Gambon in a movie. He looks so old in this. He does, but... No, I think he is that old. He No, I, I'm sure he is, but maybe I'm just used to seeing him as Dumbledore or something, and that was not as recent as I probably think it was. Uh, the last of those movies was ten years ago. Yeah, that that seems wrong to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Charles Dance is the only person I think I've seen relatively recently. Yeah. Of, of these three. Yeah, like, Charles Dance, like, I don't really picture a young Charles Dance. No, he's always looked like that. Yeah. Except in Free Eyes Only. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they should have gotten the shot from Free Your Eyes Only for that scene. That would have been funny. I don't I have no idea what that shot of him was from, but so of course he, you know, he he drops the the cap into the tea and I like him like picking up each cup of tea and listening to yes. it to hear if he can hear it beeping and he finds it and then t- mistakenly tosses it back in and I don't know if he killed everybody or just knocked them out, but No, there were uh the the captions say they were snoring. Oh, does it? Okay. Good. Cuz that would have been way less funny if he killed them. Now, I want to watch the comedy about Charles Dance, Michael Gambon, and Edward Fox having to come out of retirement and save save Britain one last time. That would have been more original than this movie. Yes. I mean, the British <laughs> Red, but still. Yeah. Man, the second Red movie was such a was such a letdown. It it was. I Should I love the first those one for this podcast. I mean, they're I would buy happily watch. I, we can watch the first one. <laughs> if we watch the first one, we have to watch the second one. I, okay, I I will watch the second one to watch the first one. I haven't seen the second one since I saw it in the theater. Oh. No, ne- neither have I. But I'm just thinking uh, those are spy movies. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Maybe after Mission Impossible. Yeah. I'm glad that we get Boff back. Mm-hmm. I I like the gag of him catching his sweater on the button. Yes. I like how he's rattling off the things he needs, and he says, I'll also need a boff. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and he's still stuck in this little office. Mm-hmm. So then they go to get equipped, and he gets his phone. Uh-huh. Which has a 580 megapixel camera. And I'm just going to call BS on that. <laughs> <laughs> that is an insanely detailed camera. Um, mm-hmm. For reference, my iPhone 11 Pro, which is from 2019, so a year after this movie, uh, mm-hmm. has and had one of the best, if not the best, uh, mobile cameras on the market at the time, has a 12 megapixel camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is yeah. no way... Even allowing for the fact that MI7 has, you know, fancy tech that hasn't hit the market yet, there is no freaking way that he has a 580 megapixel camera. Somehow I completely missed that. Um, I was hung up on the fact that he said they have an HD retina display and it's an Android phone. I I believe in that case they're... Yes, it can't have... Is retina... I don't think retina display is trademarked, is it? It probably, well, it was at one point. Maybe it's not anymore. I mean, because Android phones definitely have high-resolution displays like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. I don't know if you can trademark that, because it's just like a word. Sort of like Frosted oh. Flakes. Well, Retina, yeah, I, maybe. You could, well, it, it's more also just that, you know, there's so much Apple product placement in this movie. Apple tried to register it. Ah. Uh, oh, no, never mind. No, they did approve it. The, the, okay. Yeah, it is an Apple trademark. Okay. Well, if you call it a retina display, I guess. Yeah, but... Yeah. In that case, they were probably just, you know, specifically, you know, speaking in not necessarily... They say retina HD display, so I suppose that gets around that. Could be. Nope. Apple markets retina, retina HD, liquid retina, super retina HD, super retina XDR, and retina 4K, (laughs) 5K, and 6K. So never mind. Wow. Uh, (laughs) That's a lot of Ks. 6K. But yeah, the, um, that's the that's that fancy monitor that that uh for the for the new Mac Pro, the one that comes with the stand that costs as much as the monitor. I like 
when he asks for a gun and the guy's like, we don't really do guns anymore. And has to go dust it off and makes him sign all this, like, CYA paperwork to give him a gun. Also, I object to the idea to the designation of the 6K display because it's 6,016. Sorry, uh, it's 6,016 <laughs> pixels by 3,384 3, pixels. You can't suddenly say <laughs> that you're going to measure the horizontal pixels instead of the vertical ones. That the the it doesn't work. No, and it's now a podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying that's not. That's not how this works. No, I, it, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess 4K already did that, so never mind. Uh, yeah, I enjoy the the thing about, and it sort of reminds me a little bit of that scene in Skyfall with the Aston Martin because he passes up all these new cars and takes this old Aston Martin because it doesn't have computers in it. Yeah, which I think is smart. It's also. Rowan Atkinson actually owns this car because he's a bit of a gearhead. I did not know that. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I think he owned the Bentley too, actually. But he definitely owns this Aston Martin. I mean, it Uh, looks like a cool car. It does. And it's definitely the kind of car that James Bond would have driven. It, yeah. I'm impressed at how well he's able to, at his aim when he throws the phone in the trash. (laughs) I also, I guess this is still the same, like, basic theme music, but I, I really like the the recurring musical theme in this one. Yeah, so, as, as is my want, I did some digging on that. Um, and did it, uh, did that theme appear in the other movies? I, I honestly couldn't remember. No, but it's very similar. Okay. So the music in this movie was done by Howard Goodall. He worked, uh, so he he kind of did stuff with the, the main composer for the first film. Um, a guy named, by the name of Ilan Ishkeri, did the second movie. Uh, he's most well-known, I think, probably for doing the music to Stardust. Um, but it is very similar. It so- Like, this... It, it sounds like it's... Even though it's somebody different, it sounds very consistent to me. And and I think it's catchy. Yeah, I, I really yeah. like it. Um, I'm yeah. a, I, enough that I was annoyed when I went on... When I went onto iTunes and discovered that they have the soundtrack to the first two, but not the third. Uh, it's on Spotify, if you have Spotify. I do not. Actually, never mind. They do have it on <laughs> iTunes. It just oh, showed okay. up in a different search. Anyway, so I probably uh, we, will grab the the theme music because yeah. I, I I like it. Anyway, I won't try to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get the reversible pill bottle, which I'm sure won't come up again. Oh, absolutely not. Just like uh, that jelly baby won't come the, up the again. The Chekhov's jelly babies here, which just immediately makes me think of Doctor Who. Yeah, oh yeah. And then there's this joke about a mixtape, which I'm like, Boff isn't that young. No, it's not. Like That's not the joke. <laughs> okay. The joke is that Boff assumes it's another gadget. Okay. That looks like a mixtape, but is actually something else. Okay. It's a standard joke. That in this that, that that I can, I can get behind, I guess. Yeah. Because this was right after he had gone through the the bag of the the thing of various sweets that were actually you know You're right things. yeah so yeah i mean i like how the i i do enjoy the instant energy pills coming back i i, I thought that was done pretty well actually and yeah i i like this car yeah um i don't like the scenes that come up when they get to where they're going yeah uh, so boff shows up with this giant list of everyone that's accessed the wi-fi except for the one people one thing that access the Wi-Fi that's the problem, which I have an issue with later. I wonder, is it actually everyone who accessed the Wi-Fi, or is it just everyone who was at the hotel? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it says guests that access the Wi-Fi network, so I'm... Okay, so if the... Because we find out that the yacht used the hotel Wi-Fi. Right, but it probably used... Knowing that he has access to hack into anything, he probably just used a different guest's user or something. Now, as someone who's been to many hotels and used many hotel Wi-Fis, I find this hard to believe, but we'll let that go. It depends on the hotel. Some of them, you don't. You just have to click the thing and you're in. No, no, it's more the fact that the Wi-Fi was any good. Oh, well, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely been in hotels that had decent Wi-Fi before. Um, 
I mean, the Gold Coast in Las Vegas is not one of them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No. But I have been in hotels where it's been perfectly good to stream, which would mean that it would probably be good to launch a hack of MI7. But yeah, you would have thought that it is a little odd that he used the hotel Wi-Fi. You, I would assume that he would just use his own thing and then bounce it across a Tor network or something. Right. I mean, or, yeah, whatever system he uses throughout the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, this scene, the only thing I laughed at was when he talks about how they have to be franche waiters. And that was it. Yeah, everything else like, is dumb. So, they're trying to get this guy's phone because they think he might be involved. He's not. Johnny English and Boff dress up like waiters. And they just go around doing slapstick stuff and it's all bad i mean i think it i i laughed a little bit when he he's pouring champagne and he's trying to look at the other table he and pours he, it on the candle yes i yeah, did laugh at yeah, that you're right yeah <laughs> you know he, he they take the the giant like dusting the dustpan for crumbs and stuff and he brushes the phone into it and then of course it rings and he just does this juggling act with it there's this stupid bit with the lobster yep and the flaming shrimp and then, of course, he sets fire to the entire restaurant. I also liked after he had the flaming shrimp, he then puts it on a plate and gives it to the guy. After he throws it on the floor and stamps it out with yeah. his foot. Yeah. And then tries to pour the champagne, but realizes it's empty because he had used it to put the fire out. That was mildly amusing. <laughs> but everything else, no. Also, the fact that the, the... Like, I get that it's flammable, but I don't think everything would have gone up quite like that. No, I don't think so. Because the there would have been a... Whoop, and then all of, and all of that alcohol would have burned off like almost immediately. Yeah, because alcohol doesn't burn that hot. No, anyway. or very long. No, this feels straight out of a Mr. Bean skit. Oh yeah, especially like the look on he he starts to flambe the shrimp and he starts tossing it around. And he makes that puts that look on his face that just is totally Mr. Bean. Mm-hmm. It just it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I like the pun of the the yacht being called the dot calm. Yeah, that's funny. Find this Jason Volta guy. I kind of like when the Prime Minister's assistant says, didn't he date a Kardashian? And she says, two, and a black-eyed pea. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure he won't come back. Yeah, so now they're at a payphone calling MI7. This joke worked for me. It did not work for me. No? No. Because it wouldn't just cut off. It would, like, say, you know, you've run out of money or something. And it wouldn't have cut off that quickly either. Well, okay. I don't know. It, it, uh, it annoyed me. I don't know. I laughed a little bit. You know, typical gag here. They're in the car and they're going to get the inf- the shoebox inflatable out and they get stuck in the car. Yep. Um, I was half expecting them to include to include the joke. Like after he says, "Can you reach your door lever?" and then he said, "No," and he said, "No." It's like I'll try for mine. I was then expecting that's not the door lever, lever sir, or something like that. Yeah, luckily they're... Yeah, thankfully no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how the body strength of this works, but I do like the magnetism boots when all the silverware gets stuck to the wall. Yes. Because that's not something you'd think... I, I give them credit for thinking of this joke. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're using these magnetic boots to climb the outside of the yacht, and they go through the kitchen or past... The kitchen wall. But yeah, if they were that strong to pull the silverware from the other side of the wall, there's no way they could take their feet off the wall. Well, they have buttons, right? They they let go of the button and it lets go of the magnetism. That's what the little things in their hands are for. I guess. No, my my strength my strength comment was more on the fact that they're able to walk horizontally and hold their bodies upright. Like that takes a ton of core strength to be able to do that. Ah, yes. Yeah, they should they should have had them sort of crawling up. Yeah. Kind of like in that one Mission Impossible. Yeah, movie. exactly. And then yeah, they get caught and I very much I do this is one of the good one of the better jokes of the movie yep. when she says, "Shall we start with your names?" and he says, "Clearly you have no idea who you're dealing with." And she says, "That's why I'm starting with your names." <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely made me laugh. This is Olga Kurlienko, I think is how you pronounce her name. She was in Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. This is the only other movie I've ever seen her in, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, that's not to say she hasn't done anything else. But I'm sure she has, but mm-hmm. yeah, that that's what I know her from. Oh, no, I have seen her before. She was in uh, the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion and uh, The Death of Stalin. Oh, yes, that's something that's definitely on my to-watch to list. Oh, you should absolutely yet. watch The I Death know. of Stalin. Oh, you should absolutely watch The Death of Stalin. I know, yeah. Oblivion yeah. is also a pretty good movie. Uh, 
And she's going to, and she's in Black Widow, so I will see her soon. I kind of like this gag. He blows the door yes, and then with he, this giant explosive, and then he's yelling yes. for about five minutes, because that is something that would happen. Mm-hmm. On a, Okay, so now we have Chekhov's Sherbert Fizz. Mm-hmm. Hand me the Sherbert Fountain. Three sucks and the location transmitter is activated. This gin palace will show up as a hostile from 30,000 feet. Mm. This is now an enemy target. Which I honestly had forgotten all about yes. when, it came, when it finally does come up. I'm not entirely sure why it comes up again later either. Well, it works out. When it comes up. It does. No, it, it does. And he s- straight up says this will now appear as a target to British, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that works. I also like how he falls onto the deck. <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> doing doing the suave escape thing where he's about to go off the back and then he forgets there's a larger deck below. Stops. He stops being suave when he starts holding his nose, but yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> And I like how she says, that was sooner than I expected. If you'd wanted to kill me, you would have already done so. Till we meet again. Well, that was sooner than I expected. Yeah, yeah. And then, and now we get this weird misogynist thing that, like, made no sense, had no point, and, like, is just there to be weird. Mm hmm. Where Boff says that he's married and that his wife is on a naval ship, and he says, oh, some sort of cook or secretary? It's like. He's like, no, captain of the... Yeah. Why? I I get that they had to say that... They had to tell us that his wife was the captain of a submarine, but they could have done that without the weirdness. Yes. I mean, this is the... Each of these movies has a somewhat offensive bit Mm -hmm. in it, and I think this is the least offensive of them, but it's still not necessary. No. Um, and, And again, we mentioned... We gave them a little bit of credit last time when I don't. I really don't think that the joke of it wasn't necessarily a joke about Tucker being black, um, right? You know when he said someone to carry the bags. No, uh, and I think that's just because they were English. They didn't even think of it. Maybe it could be, yeah. Because apparently these movies are not made for Engl- for Americans. <laughs> right, <laughs> clearly not. Especially this one. Yeah. Honestly, though, it's impressive that this movie had half the budget of the previous two and still made the same amount. It is. And for the most part, I don't think that it looks like a cheap movie either. Mm-mm. So I give them credit for that. I mean, I guess they don't have all that much location shooting, uh, which helps. Yeah. I mean, because and plenty of the between 2011 and 2018, it's become a lot easier to make professional looking cheap movies because you can do so much more with a green screen now that you than you ever could before. Yeah. I mean, some yeah. So I mean, some of this driving it could have been faked. Mm-hmm. I do, I do like this bit when they get stuck behind the cyclists and he uses the tear and, gas missile. Well, and and Boff says they're cyclists, and he's like they're French cyclists, Boff. And then yeah, then he uses the the tear you gas. Ever watched the on. Russell Crowe movie A Good Year? Uh, no. Okay, never mind then. Okay. <laughs> There's a joke. Uh, so in. It's a feel-good movie about how Russell Crowe is a rich asshole who um, inherits his uncle's estate in France. And, you know, he's taught how to feel and be a good person and whatnot. But he drives around and he gets keeps getting stuck behind cyclists. And then he, when he passes them, he sticks, his, he sticks the middle finger out, of, out the window and yells, Lance Armstrong. <laughs> okay. And, it's, and it becomes a bit. Like, he does it over and over again. <laughs> That's why this just made me think of that. Michael Gambon's in that movie, actually. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We we missed the the setup to a joke that's fairly obvious when he asks 
when Boff says, should we top up the fuel tank? And he says, no, they're, this is a very efficient car. And they're, of course, chasing an electric car and they run out of gas. Mm-hmm. I am wrong. Michael Gambit is not in that movie. It's Albert Finney. Oh. I don't know why I got, how I got Michael Gambit and Albert <laughs> Finney confused. They're old. I don't I mean. <laughs> That's like the, o- the only, like. That's the only thing they have in common is that they're old. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> They're both English. (laughs) I guess that helps, right? (laughs) Wait, is Albert Finney English? Yeah. He just did so many different things and voices and whatever. Yeah. Including basically being Sean Connery in Skyfall. Yeah. Welcome to Scotland. (laughs) Another... Another bit here that I think is amusing when he comes up with the name Basil Golightly. And then forgets it. And then forgets it. Yeah. I like, and I like how he doesn't know Boff. And this becomes a recurring thing. He doesn't know Boff's yeah. first name. He's like, I thought we were making up names. It's like, that is a made up name. Very impressive driving, Mr. Golightly. Basil Golightly. And you're rather useful yourself, Miss... Bulitova. Ophelia Bulitova. And this is... Colin. I thought we were using fake names. That is a fake name. All right. Yes, this is Colin. And I'm... Dazzle. Dazzle. Basil. Yeah, that look he gives when she meets when he meets her in the hotel later and he, he says she mentions his name, he looks behind him like somebody's standing there. <laughs> like that's the stuff I like in these movies, and then they do all the dumb embarrassment stuff yeah. that I don't care for. Yeah, so yeah, now we have every single light in traffic light in London is red. Yeah, I don't understand this. Okay, it could have... Okay. I understand that somebody, a hacker, could do that Mm -hmm. or would want to do that because it would cause massive problems. Right. But they mention it's a denial of service attack. Yeah, and that's... Which isn't something that would cause this to happen. No, that would just cause their traffic management system to stop working, which would probably just mean the lights would work normally, but they wouldn't be synchronized with each other. Right. I cannot imagine that the system would be designed in such a way that if the light is not get receiving commands, it just goes red. That would mm-hmm. be a very dumb system to design. And this this strikes me, and you know, we've talked about because we haven't mentioned it in a while. This happens in Star Trek occasionally, where they're telling a story that makes sense and could be, you know, a story that they just kind of gloss over stuff. But then they hear about things in the news or they read about things and they throw them in the movie that and they don't use them correctly. Mm-hmm. I don't know, tardigrade DNA and horizontal gene, gene transfer and stuff like that they, <laughs> they threw into recently in Star Trek. And they explicitly say it's a DDoS attack, which just makes this not make sense. Yeah. You know more about this than I do. But yeah, a denial of service attack is basically where... A hacker will send constant data to a website to the point where the website is not able, stops responding to all requests because it's being overwhelmed with traffic. Uh, it would not cause, it. Could, you could certainly take out the, the London traffic monitoring system with a denial service attack, assuming that it's even connected to the internet, which it may or may not be, probably shouldn't be, uh, but probably is. Yeah. It's certainly possible that you could take out a system using that, but all you would be doing by doing that would be shutting it down. Mm-hmm. You could not make it do something that it wouldn't normally do, such as turning all the lights red. Yeah, exactly. I love this setup shot of the hotel Mm-hmm. They they cut and there's a fast it looks like a Lamborghini or something goes zipping in and around the corner and then you just see the Aston Martin getting pushed by Boff yes. really slowly into the driveway. Yeah, that's good. I feel bad. I feel bad for Boff. So now he's going to the bar. This is quite a bar. It is quite a bar, and he orders yeah. quite a drink. Yeah, she 
says that she misses or she's feeling homesick and orders a Moscow mule, which it's by not the way, a Russian drink. It's not a Russian drink. It was invented in the states. I could go uh, for a Moscow <laughs> mule though. That is a good drink. They are a good drink, especially when it's ninety degrees and humid. Mm. Uh, and then he orders a London lemming, <laughs> <laughs> and the bartender just looks at him and asks him how to make it. I'm feeling a little homesick tonight. I'll have a Moscow mule. And I'll have a London lemming. I'm not sure. It's uh, gin, vodka, armagnac, sherry, with just a little bit of parmesan. So, like, what makes this London? Uh, like, I guess nothing. The the sherry is kind of a London thing. And gin is something that they drink in England. But, like... Yeah. Our... I, he's just, I think he's just going for the... Like, she says she's from Russia, so he, she says a Moscow mule, and he goes for something that's alliterative. Mm-hmm. And then just not. makes it up. And, and just, you know... I like the gag with the olive that he tosses into his mouth and misses, and then somebody slips on it. Yes. Like, the waiter just trips on it. That's good. I, I don't get the nut joke. Like, why would they serve those? I don't know. And we have to see him do this weird thing with his tongue for way too long. Why is that there? And we see it again <laughs> later. Yeah. Well, we I don't see know. not that, but we see him doing no, tongue no, no. things again later. And there's the thing where the umbrella gets stuck in his nose. Yeah. I mean that I don't know, that's just a interesting gag, but also I question this bartender's choice of glassware for both of the j- drinks, but <laughs> that's just me being trying to channel my inner James Bond and, and I, being a snob here. And I, I like how Boff like tells him all the suspicious things and Johnny doesn't he no right. it's, it's nothing wrong with her. Yeah. But yeah, later she gets confirmation from Russia that she should eliminate Johnny English. Uh but unfortunately for her, Johnny just took the instant energy pill thinking it was a sleeping pill. Yes. And I I enjoy this scene. I like how he just bursts out of the door and then goes yep. raving. Yep, and they do the Saturday Night Fever thing. Mm-hmm. And he keeps uh, foiling her, accidentally foiling her attack plans. I I like the 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 Garot watch, which is like a I guess a bit of a callback to from Russia with Love in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he keeps yeah, and then he just flips her over and knocks her out. I guess on the floor while he keeps dancing, which all right, I guess. I and I like the payoff at the end when he goes back to. MI6 and finally crashes. Yes. I, I, I kind of enjoy when he's driving back at 130 miles an hour or two. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Knocks the cop over. Mm-hmm. And here, yeah, we, we continue to see basically the same plot as the first one, where he is now accusing the guy whose name I don't care about uh, being behind this all, but, you know, the, but he's, you know, someone that the prime minister is really likes so he could clearly couldn't be the bad guy so now he's gonna sneak in and get the information and now we have this whole dumb vr sequence oh my god like why because there's no way that it would uh match that he would like throughout the entire thing that there would be people and everything that would match up to what he sees in vr yeah like that again this is just them not they put vr in because vr was pretty hot like vr wasn't this good it's still not this good but I like this floor idea where they're like, you can walk in any direction and all this stuff. That's a real thing. Which is cl- which you would want. Mm-hmm. But then he goes out, he assaults like an old woman in a wheelchair. Yeah, I actually, that's one of the things I don't, I really don't like about the current VR s- setup is mm-hmm. uh, most games in VR, uh, they don't have you moving to a different location right. because the it can cause disorientation if you're moving if your character is moving and you are not yes so like they ported a bunch of games that like were originally not vr to vr like you can play skyrim in vr if you want to Mm -hmm. uh but you can't walk around you teleport everywhere yeah yeah you have the little arrow and you point it to where you want to go right and it's just weird well i mean i will say so i have a an oculus quest Mm -hmm. and there's a space station international space station simulator Mm -hmm. where you're you know you're in the space station and you have to use your hands to propel yourself around and stuff and that 
really made me a little queasy for the first, I don't know, five, ten minutes of doing it. Because you're you're standing in the room or you're sitting down and you're and then your eyes are seeing you move and your brain just gets confused and doesn't quite know what to do. I should check that out. I have an Oculus Rift that's been sitting in a box for like three years. Uh <laughs> Like, it, VR is one of those things where, like, I think I, where I thought I would enjoy it more than I did. It wasn't like it bothered me or anything, I just didn't find it all that interesting. I mean, I like some of the games on it. I like Beat Saber's a game that we play a lot, just, mm -hmm. and it's actually good exercise. You work up quite a sweat doing it. Do you have a Star Trek Bridge Crew? So I have Star Trek Bridge Crew, and I never started playing it because I didn't want to have to make, like, a fourth account on something to get it to work. Um... <laughs> I've played it at a friend's house. I went through the simulator, the training thing, and that was about it. Mm. Yeah, that's about as far as I got on it, too. Yeah. I mean, it seems interesting, potentially, but... It seems like the sort of thing that's fun to play with people, but less fun by yourself. Yeah, I agree. It's more fun than talking about this stupid sequence that goes on way too long. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, like, the idea, he's he's climbing stairs in the VR, but he's also climbing stairs on a bus. Yeah, like, and the fact that every guard he attacks in the VR has a person in the same exact spot. Yeah. Yeah. And he picks up the cutting board, and it's a book, and he then attacks the... And the guy in the desk chair is a woman in a wheelchair. It's like, yeah, none of this is possible. No. And it's not funny. Mm -mm. Like, I don't... I don't see why watching him beat up strangers is amusing. No, it's all dumb. But, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, the whole he, thing he is... He magically ends up right back where he started and yep. doesn't think twice about it. The other question I have is how do they get an entire VR version of Volta's house? They probably could have floor plans from, you know... Maybe. But where, why are there guards? How do they know where the guards would be? Yeah. Well, they knew where the cutting board was, because mm -hmm. he actually picks up the cutting board later. I like... I actually enjoy that. I enjoy okay. that... Not in the VR, but I enjoy when he gets to the real house, the cutting board is still there, and he uses it the same way. I like that. But, yeah. Most of it is dumb. But, yeah, he sneaks in, and he has confrontation with, you know, the Russians. Again, I don't remember any character's name. Uh, mm -mm. I just don't care, honestly. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I, I remembered Volta because I wrote his name down. <laughs> yeah, he, he and he borrows her phone because he doesn't have his and accidentally starts playing music. Yeah. So then she has to pretend she caught him as a spy. I mean, I guess that is the right, mm -hmm. that is correct behavior for the time when you would swipe up to get to your music controls. I guess. But... Yeah. Well, they make the whole thing, because he's also, like, whacking the phone later to try to make it to stop playing the video, and it won't do it, and it's like, and, yeah. The exposition computer bothers me, too. Yes. You know, Volta's talking to the computer, and the computer is laying out his plan for well, him, so we the, we, the audience, can hear it. Just like in the first movie, where we talk, uh, there's that whole scene where John Malkovich is talking to... We don't even know who he's talking to. He's just talking to a room full of people about his plan to turn Britain into a prison. Right. It's the same basic thing. Right down to him accidentally swapping out the the recording of it. Or the, the Blu-ray or DVD. Yeah, I guess it would be a DVD then. Yeah, and now he's the phone. Yep. You get the, the weird driving instructor sequence. Yep. Like, I had a driving instructor with a car. He didn't have a gas pedal. No, they usually just have a brake. Yeah. Because it's, you're about to hit something, I need to stop the car. Mm -hmm. Also, like, the scene where he takes her glasses off with his mouth, like, what? Yeah, I get the joke-ish that it's like, now I can't see what I'm where I'm going, so she's not going to be as terrified. Yeah, of course, both, uh, of course, he accidentally grabs the wrong phone. Of course he does, and gets taken off the case. So, let's explore this for a second. Yeah. He grabs the wrong phone. This is 2018. Mm -hmm. That phone has a fingerprint sensor on it. Yep. When you set up that phone, it doesn't require you to set up a passcode or use the finger, but it makes it really hard to even notice that you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it really hard to notice that you don't have to. Like, because uh, I remember when they first, when Apple first started uh, at having, setting up the passcode as part of the phone setup. I know a bunch of people said, oh, they now they make you do a passcode. I'm like, well, no, they don't. These little, you can hit the thing and say you don't want it. Um, yeah. Or a lot of, but people didn't realize that. Uh, but regardless, if you set up this, this iPhone, it, you would have a passcode and likely, and likely a fingerprint thing. Mm -hmm. Johnny shouldn't be able to unlock this phone. He shouldn't be able to unlock the other phone either. No, but maybe, you know, 
the Russian lady would have given him the passcode. I, I, well, I mean, I was about to say that if one of these two people hadn't done that to their phone, I would guess it would be the lady from the driving car and not the spy. Uh, no, I, who would not have who would not have protected their phone? I doubt the lady from the driving car would have noticed the tiny little thing in the corner that says that gave you other options and would not and not require you to set up a passcode. Well, that could be too. That's a good point. Yeah. Anyway, regardless, this is how we set up this movie. This scene where it's uh, we see her at a birthday wearing a, with a dog filter. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Prime Minister is not accepting any of this because he's not giving her actual proof. Nope. That said, she's just assu- she's just believing that this guy is on the up and up because he's hot. Because he's hot and he's smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but Boff says, we, st- we can still stop it because remember my wife? Yes. And now we have Chekhov's wife. I mean, I do laugh at the movie cliche moment of him sadly getting out of his car and it starts to rain. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, they're piling on here. But yeah, Boff mentions his wife. And I, I like Captain Boff. I like Captain Boff too. Even though he calls her commander at one point. Well, that's probably her rank, but yes. No, it, she's she's wearing Captain's stripes on her sleeve. I don't know the British Navy enough to know that. It's it's basically the same. Oh, okay. So four, four stripes is Captain. But yes, I, li- I like Captain Boff. I like, the, yeah. I like how the... the sh- the, the old rusty ship is showing the wrong depth, that, that whole yep. thing. she just smacks the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm less enamored with the dodgy CGI here, but what can you do? It's a low-budget movie. Yeah, this is, this is really the only scene where you're like, oh, yeah, you can really tell they did not have much of a budget. But, yeah, uh, I, I enjoy everything about... This part is good. Uh, they sneak in. He's got the exosuit to climb up the wall. I like the... the portable computer with the floppy disk to boot it up mm-hmm. although how's it booting it up remotely yeah it, there aren't it's not there was no wi-fi then or yeah anything, you know? well no there could have been like rf signal to it but I, I would have expected there to be like a serial port that they'd have to plug into or a parallel port yeah but there is an antenna on the computer so yeah, it, it probably true. it probably uses rf yeah but yeah he gets all the he gets all the way to the top, and then Boff asks if he can turn it off, and that, of course, causes a problem because he has the tube stuck on something. I'm not sure yeah. how this would actually do that, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think he would go flying that far, and he's dead anyway, mm-hmm. falling from that high into the water like that. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the liquid, the hydraulic stuff going into the thing reminded me of The Expanse. Yes, when they're like going into high G, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that. Which I don't quite understand what that is, but maybe that's something in the book that I haven't read. So yet. it's um, um, yeah, it's just uh, drugs that help the body not die. Oh, okay. So they're they're drugs. It's not some kind of liquid support system in the seats. No, it's oh, okay. There are needles that go into the body. Uh, they call it the juice. That basically, it's yeah, it's to keep your body from. You're you're you from basically just having a heart attack immediately. Okay, I don't know how that works, but okay. Yeah, it's future tech, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, that that's what that is. I like Volta's 3D printed gun. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I mean, I've seen that done before too. But yeah, my understanding with those is they they can usually only fire a couple times before they're pretty much done. Yep. Yeah, he so he hides in a suit of armor that he somehow managed to get on. I don't know how he could put on a suit. Like I even read like you can't put on a suit of armor alone anyway. Yeah. Well, before that, they sneak in, pretending to be bagpipers, mm-hmm. and we get a scene of him playing the bagpipes very poorly. Yeah. So, but now he can't get the suit of armor off, so he puts a lot of oil on himself, which yes, I'm he sure does. won't come up again. And we get a weird close-up of him waving his tongue back and forth in his mouth while he does it for some reason. I don't know why. I like the little gag earlier of him trying to talk and the visor keeps falling down. Yeah. That's kind of cute. Yeah, why is he... Yeah, why is he doing that with his tongue? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so he he bursts in and accuses Volta of having an evil plan, but then slips on his own oil and flies away. Mm-hmm. And this is where Volta then reveals that, yeah, I do have an evil plan, which yeah. is to destroy a junction box in England that will take out the whole internet, which is not how that works. No. It really isn't how that works. That said, if you do take 
England off the map, that would cause some issues with the World Wide Web because the primary undersea cable is from England. The primary Atlantic undersea cable is from England, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure this would cause problems, but it wouldn't destroy the world. No. No, and there would be redundancy and there would be other paths that data can follow because Mm -hmm. there's things get things happen to various parts of the internet all the time which is why we have the ability to send traffic other places like rerouting it to like rerouting things to nevada yeah like happens in this movie right so meanwhile johnny's trying to call mi7 yes and we find out that these old submarines have very poor password hygiene because it's a three-digit code to launch the missiles and, and it happens to be the code that he dials in. I, I have trouble believing that him just hitting the phone... I can understand that a cell phone could cause interference on the sub. I doubt that it would send a signal that it would recognize as an, as yeah entering those numbers. Well, I mean, there was... It's less so now, but there was always that stuff about not having your cell phones turned on on airplanes mm-hmm. because the interference, it prevents the pilot from communicating with the tower sometimes. Right. But hitting hitting a two on your cell phone wouldn't cause the number two to appear in the navigation no. system. No. Yeah. And yeah, and then so you get these dual phone calls, and of course they leave the phones next to each other. So my thing here, why would she be calling MI seven for launch confirmation and not like the Admiralty? That yeah, that's a great question. But we need that for this to happen, and then we have Sh- Chekhov's Sherbert Fizz. Yeah. Which, again, like you said, it was set up... It might have been set up a little too far away from the... I mean, this movie is less than 90 minutes and feels <laughs> a bit longer than that to me, frankly. Yeah. But, but no, it's a good setup. Mm-hmm. Sherbet, F. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay. <laughs> yeah, what's a Sherbet F, she says. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't... I feel like that also wouldn't... Like, what was the original target for this missile? (laughs) Well, yeah, they never put one in. They're just launching a missile somewhere. God, I hope they don't actually do that. I hope that's not how, you know, nuclear launches actually happen. They just put it up in the air. I'm gonna guess that the Johnny English movie is not the best (laughs) resource for how this is realistically done. Fair enough. Maybe they use that convoluted system like they had in... um, In War Games? In Thunderball. Oh, in Thunderball, yeah. Or in in uh, Goldeneye, where you have to turn the keys. Yeah, Thunderball's the one where they where they had the the guy had to pretend to be the president with the retinal scan of the president of the. Oh well, that was um, Never Say Never Again. You're right. That was, well, same thing. Uh... <laughs> You're right. It was so much worse than Never Say Never Again. Uh, yeah, when they had the retinal scan of the president in the air for in the U.S. Air Force Base in the U.K. is the only way to launch the missile. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing that made me laugh was you know the the yacht is exploded and uh, the Russian woman again I forget her name too uh, says that Volta's getting away and. Johnny English said, this one's mine, and then it's him, like, slowly walking in the suit of armor. I like how Boff is, like, moving twigs and stuff. Out moving of twigs way. out of the way and opening the door for him. <laughs> Ophelia Bulatova. Ah, how did I forget that? I don't know. Yeah, he's moving, like, debris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that. This this whole sequence I also is, is wonder amazing. if... I, I, I really don't like how he says initiate this before smashing the phone because the phone could have taken that as an initiate command. Right. <laughs> My only comment was that Worf would have enjoyed that line. Ah, this is true. Definitely feeling um, aggressive tendencies, sir. Yes. I question whether an old suit of armor would actually stop a bullet. It wouldn't. Maybe a plastic bullet. Well, I think... The... <sighs> I mean, they would have to be 3D printed bullets because then that defeats the point of having the gun that's plastic. Right. So maybe plastic bullets don't have as much uh, that could that could penetration be. power, maybe. But yes, I, I like. I he only has six six bullets in that thing, and then he throws the gun. He's like, oh, and the thing itself. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. And then yeah, he's like, be, he's being recognized for his gallantry and. Well, wait, wait, wait. 
I, I also want to comment that I, I, I like the little bit of subversive bit here where she says, oh, we can hack into the into the engine using this iPad thing. And he t- he's like, give that to me. And he starts poking around on it. And the guy says, you wouldn't know what to do with that iPad. And he just chucks it at him. Yep, that was good. And knocks him out. That was good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I also question him walking into the chopper bra- blades. But anyway... So, but yeah, so so the gallantry scene here. Yeah, and while the Prime Minister is extolling his virtues, he finally manages to undo the belt on his armor. His pants fall off, and he was naked under there for some reason. So the only thing I can think of, we don't know that he's naked naked, but he was wearing a kilt. No, uh, unless so, he's wearing a thong, he's naked. Right, but wasn't... He, but he went into that room with the kilt on from the bagpipers. So maybe he didn't have pants on? I, I don't know. It's right, still dumb. but why was he naked under the kilt? I don't That's know. That's a myth, by the way. Most it, You don't yeah. you don't wear nothing under a kilt because then you have chafing. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he was naked under there because obviously he's got to make a fool of himself one last time. And now he goes to appear as a speaker at his old school, but first he visits the children and gives them deadly weapons. Which, I, again, I like that him going back. Yeah. And I, and the scene ends with the headmaster eating one of the explosive jelly babies. Yes, and we get yet another, like, shocked, still face of John English. And there is... N- I do... In- I enjoy how all of his kids were hiding mm-hmm. in various locations. Yes. I like how he's like, where's the last one? And then he flips over the chalkboard. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the one that's doing the camouflage. Mm-hmm. And there's no after credit on this one. No. But yeah, and then that's the end of the movie. I think Johnny English has run its course. I would agree with that. I would not call any of these movies bad. They're not great. No. I don't even know if I'd call them good. I would say they're fine. All of them are better than Spy Hard. Yes. Again, that is the low bar. <laughs> the only one that I would consider probably watching again just to watch it again is the second one. Yeah. I would agree. That is definitely the best of the three. Yeah. I would watch the second one over a few of the Bond films. Yeah, I probably would too. Like, now that I think about it. The entire Mankiewicz era. Yeah. And Octopussy. And Octopussy. <laughs> Spectre, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Like, Spectre's not great. No. But, I don't know. <laughs> so, are we watching Spy, or are we not going to watch Spy? I think we should watch Spy. Okay. Spy is good, as far as I recall. Like, I believe it's a good movie. I saw it. I don't remember not liking it. Yeah, let's... It had a box office of $235 million. Really? Okay. That's another movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. That's a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's, it's, wow, it's a okay. decent movie. Yeah, then we should watch it. For those keeping score at home, uh, this movie <laughs> has a 37% on <laughs> <Rotten> Tomatoes. <laughs> it's probably the worst of the three on Rotten Tomatoes, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... So looking at my Plex screen here, they they show some little capsulate reviews of it. And the first one from Entertainment Weekly says, Every gag in this movie has already been done before and better, presumably by one or both of the early Johnny, jo- earlier Johnny English films, which I think is about right. The first Johnny English only has a 33%. Yeah. So this actually did better on Rotten Tomatoes than the first one, which, wow. Mm-hmm. Ah, but the second one has a 38, so... Yep, it's slightly better. <laughs> I think that one's better than a 38. Yeah, no. The second one, I think, is a relatively decent movie. I mean, there's some problematic bits, but yeah, it's it's it is act- it's an actual movie mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, it, get rid of all of the beating up of an old, wim- old women stuff, and I think it's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, that's the Johnny English series. I don't... <laughs> I, I hesitate to compare it to, say, the Austin Powers series, whereas I think I don't think anything in this is, was as good as some of the good stuff or as bad as the bad stuff. All three of these movies are better than Goldmember. Yes, I will give you that. Goldmember is probably the closest we got to Spy Hard <laughs> in terms of in, in in terms of it not being at all good. But I still think 
that uh, Spy Hard has been the worst movie we've seen so far. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's the worst movie we see for a while. Or at least for until we get to Mission Impossible 2. No, I'm kidding. Mission Impossible 2 isn't as bad as Spy Hard. No. It's not great, but it's not as bad as Spy Hard. Mission Impossible 2 is better than Octopussy. It is. <laughs> I was about to say, what isn't better than Octopussy? But the answer is Spy Hard. <laughs> Maybe Diamonds Are Forever. No, actually, I think I'd probably rather see Diamonds Are Forever than Octopussy. <sighs> yeah. I I liked Diamonds more than I thought I would. I remember when we watched it, so. I think I hated it more than I thought I would, but okay. I still think I'd probably watch it over Octopussy. <laughs> Octopussy has very little redeeming qualities. It, yeah. Next week, we will talk about Spy, I guess? Yes, let's do it. Okay. We will, when License to Spiel will return, we'll talk about Spy, and that'll round out, I think, our, our obvious spoofs of James Bond. And we'll go from there.